Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Today, we're continuing with episode three of season two of the Tom Petty Project podcast, and I am your host, Kevin Brown. Did you notice anything different about the pod this week? Oh, well, aren't you observant? That's right. I have a whole bunch of new stings, that's musical interludes, courtesy of my fantastically talented and very generous friend, Mr. Randy Woods. Um, I'll put some links to his music in the episode notes so that you can go check out his stuff. He has a new song out with his group, the Randy Woods Band, called This Is Your Time, and it's a really fun little number. Give it a spin. Today, we're listening to the third track from You're Gonna Get It, the simply titled Hurt. As always, I've added a link to the song on the official Tom Petty YouTube channel in the episode notes, so go listen to the song, and we'll reconvene once you've done that to talk all about it. Hurt was written on a flight back to California from an unknown port of departure. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom says that it was written on airplane stationery and that he figured out the music and arrangement when he got home. And this would imply that the lyrics actually drove this song somewhat as it wouldn't have been composed while noodling around on his acoustic guitar. Not in the air, anyways. Uh, the song is co-written with Mike Campbell, who came up with that wonderful middle eight, which always seems to have a George Harrison-esque feel to it to me. Um, and Tom goes on to explain that after Mike and Tom had figured out how to get that bridge in place, they cut it with Denny Cordell, and Cordell had them tap out percussion on their guitars, which was recorded and looped to use as the click track for the rest of the band. This is an almost forgotten art these days, uh, and it allows for a human tempo to be maintained without it being rigidly mechanical, as you would with a a, Pro Tools um, click track. The song is one of only a handful of Heartbreaker songs to fade in, the most notable of that stable, of course, being Even the Losers from the Monster Third album. I commented last week that You're Gonna Get It has an unusually long middle section for an early Heartbreaker song, and this one has a really long intro, clocking in at just over 50 seconds. The initial fade-in is backed with a beautifully washed cymbal sitting under the multiple guitar tracks, a simple arpeggio, a lightly strummed acoustic part, and Mike's fills and textures, which bounce lightly around the, the left and right channels, rounding it all out. The electric guitar then mirrors what the acoustic is playing as Stan, who's been hitting his snare on the two count every four bars, starts to add in more percussion, with the two count hits moving to the toms and the snare being sort of lightly rolled almost. Benmont's keys and Ron's bass are just waiting for the kick into the meat of the song, and as the intro builds to the very simple drum fill into that first main chord progression, we hear Benmont's organ fade in. The chord progression we then uh, head into is actually the one from the chorus, which means that what we're basically getting here is an extended verse and chorus as the intro. So that's another little neat bit of creativity from, from Tom and Mike. The first verse drops us back into the sultry, moody refrain in that suspended fourth, you know, key of A pattern. Uh, And in addition to Mike's fills, we also get some organ fills from Benmont, which fill out the sound. Ron is staying away from that suspended chord, just keeping the root and fifth notes in place so that the A, D, E progression that the song is hung on to really rings. Benmont is then adding in a couple of seventh notes to really beef out that atmospheric edge that the verse has. When we get into the chorus, we hear some straight-up country licks from Mike. We also hear Stan staying with the tempo rather than backing that off. We then get you know, the line, cut down the middle face in the dirt, with that more laid-back vibe of the intro before we change from A to E, and then down into D flat minor before landing back in A. And that little progression and the way it feels reminds me a little of the similar changes in the chorus of Hometown Blues. That big, bright E major dropping to the minor before resolving back down to the root. 
it just disarms you slightly when you think you know where the course is going and it takes a quick left turn before heading back onto a familiar path. After that first chorus, we then get a really, really cool bridge. And this is the one that Mike wrote. It's a really straightforward change to a suspended E progression, which Mike just sits on with some muted picking in the background and Ben Mont filling in the treble with a very simple organ part. You can also hear a bongo or something similar in the right channel quite faintly on the twos and fours before the drums come back in with Stan playing a cool stutter step type pattern. Now, it only struck me tonight that the riff that Mike is playing in that bridge is really similar to the one that Harold Faltermeyer uses in The Heat Is On, performed by Glenn Fry for the classic 1984 movie Beverly Hills Cop. I'll put a link in the episode notes so that you can give it a listen and see if you hear it also or if you think I'm just crazy. I love how understated the transition is back into that last verse too, with Stan really holding back on the drum fill and just a soft crash cymbal and then some more sweet sort of honky-tonk guitar from Mike, which almost sounds a little bit like a lap steel but definitely isn't. Ben Monk coming in again with some keyboard fills before we head into that wonderful chorus. And those two parts lead us back out of the chorus and into the outro in which the song is allowed to evaporate like a strong bourbon left out for too long. Mike puts in some tasty, tasty bends and slides in that outro, and I would love to hear the original tape to see how long they jammed the ending of that one out. Alrighty, it's that time of the show where we talk some petty trivia. Last week, I asked you, what is the name of the first single that Tom ever recorded with Mudcrutch in 1975? Now, that should have been 1973, which I think might have tripped some of you up, and I apologize for that. The first single that Mudcrutch recorded and released is The Gloriously Southern Feeling Up in Mississippi. Released on the Pepper label with a B-side titled Causes Understood, it remains one of the rarest seven-inch vinyl recordings of any Tom Petty composition. And he's credited as Thomas Petty on that single. The last time I could find any sort of record of that single being sold, it changed hands for 964 US dollars on February 3rd, 2020. So maybe because of my mess up with the 1975-1973 thing, most of you actually guessed Depot Street, which was the first single released on the Shelter label in 1974 before being reissued in 75. So maybe I threw you off there by giving you the wrong date, so I apologize. But today's question is this. On March 18th, 2002... Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which famous New York hotel was the venue for the induction ceremony? Okay, back to the song. I love that Tom says that he loves the chorus of this one and that he wanted it to sound like, and quote, a really good Dolly Parton song. You really do get that sense from the, the great fifth harmonies that he puts on that, in that chorus and that key change, which is almost reminiscent of something like 9 to 5, which I realise came out after this song, but it's that same type of country device to really burst into the chorus. And it's pretty cool. Lyrically, the song's also quite cool to me in that you have the, the real pain of the protagonist's experience you know, that's right, you hurt me, baby, hurt me good, soaring above that beautiful major chord. So not the atmospheric sort of um, suspended chords, but that real sort of clean major chord progression, that's where the hurt really is. There are so many great lines in this song too. Thank God for California, thank God I'm going home. 
There are so many times in our lives when we feel that relief about heading homeward and then cut down the middle, face down in the dirt. It's such a brutal way of describing someone who's, you know, just been absolutely floored by heartbreak. Uh, might be the devil, might just be his friend. There's another killer line. Um, and he was seemingly able to just pull those vivid visual lines out of thin air whenever he needed them. Tom's vocal delivery on this one is almost the inverse of you're going to get it, um, with him sitting in that sort of seductive lower register through the verses before bursting into his higher range and especially belting those harmonies in the choruses. Okay, friends, that's a wrap for this one. I'm going to score this one high because I really do love it. It's one of those heartbreaker songs that, for me, works so well because of its simplicity and the economy of the arrangement. It's really a surprise, though, to me that it was basically never in the live set. I only found one performance on setlist.fm on July 4th, 1981. And while I'm sure it would have been played a few more times than that, I've never come across a live recording of it and would love to hear from you if you know of one. I'm going to give her then an 8 out of 10. It's a great little number that typifies Tom's talent for getting at the heart of a record and the heart of a story in not much more than three minutes. And before I let you go, I wanted to speak very quickly about someone really important in my life who passed away on December 4th, 2017, only two months after we lost Tom Petty. His name was Chris Birch, though it was only ever Birchy to me and his host of friends. He was the first person in my life who was genuinely my best friend. We shared a really close bond over music, and though I don't think we ever listened to a Heartbreaker song together, I know that he would have been a big fan of Mike Campbell's playing. Birchie was a fantastic guitarist who unfortunately suffered from such shyness that most of his family didn't even realise that he played. Our time together was filled with hours of sitting in his parents' living room, listening to old records and none more so than 10cc, a fairly obscure British band who had some small pockets of success here and there but were never really on the mainstream radio radar as they were just a bit too quirky and irreverent. Um, so this past Saturday, uh, on the anniversary of his death, I spent a good few hours listening to that band, thinking about my friend and drinking a few beers in his memory. At the end of each episode of this podcast, I always ask you to tell someone you love them at least once a day. And that notion stems from a song that I wrote for Birchie a couple of years ago, in which I express my regret in never actually saying those words to him, as it's simply not what men, or certainly not men of my generation, are conditioned to do. I'll put a link to that song in the episode notes as well, if you feel like giving it a listen. Um, so yeah, please tell people you love them, folks. One day they might just not be there anymore. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And of course, you can find me on YouTube. So follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. I really appreciate the lovely reviews and feedback that you do leave me. And I always try to answer every comment or question that you send to me on social media. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about track four from the second album, Magnolia. Bye-bye. <laughs>